If you're blue and you don't know where to go to, why don't you go where fashion sits? <laughs> Different types who wear a day coat, pants with stripes, or cutaway coat, perfect fits. <laughs> Dressed up like a million dollar trooper. Trying mighty hard to look like Gary Cooper. Cooper, Cooper! Come, let's mix where Rockefellers walk with sticks or rumbarellas in their midst. Hello and welcome to Kicker Commentaries. As always, I am your host, Jack Del Mastro, and as always, I'm joined by my very good friend and co-host, Keaton Fire. Hello, Keaton. So you know it's actually it's actually pronounced Catan Bayer. Oh yeah? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's Bayer? Bayer, exactly. <laughs> right. Uh yeah. So was your grandfather not the the great uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> the great mad scientist? The great mad scientist, also named Bayer. No, no, it's pronounced <laughs> Bayer. <laughs> so, uh, as you may or may not have guessed, uh, or having read the title, you probably know. Yes. That today we are covering the film Young Frankenstein. Young Frankenstein, and it's uh, what a good movie it is. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty fun. So this is like a. Uh, I guess a horror comedy, more on the comedy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's kind of like, kind of like Abbott and Costello in that sense. It's like it's technically a horror comedy, but but it's it's mostly just comedy. And I mean, it's it's a very it's a similar vibe in a lot of ways. Uh, oh yeah, definitely. See Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Although, I would say the comedy is a bit more like lewd. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the comedy's less about like slapstick. And like slapstick, slapstick, and like yeah. bits, and more about yeah. like the writing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which but, is very um, good. Yes, yes. Uh, and so the writers, uh, as you probably know if you know this film, it's written by Mel Brooks and uh, Gene Wilder. Yeah, two absolute two, uh, towering figures. Towering figures, absolute legends of the industry. Absolute legends. I think we've talked. He got winner, by the way, Mel Brooks. Yeah, Mel Brooks. We've discussed. Yeah, we've discussed him before, a couple of times. More, yes. mostly in the the uh, the, fly the fly episode because he because he produced that movie. Yeah, and it, he wanted to if keep you, his if you didn't know his name off of it. <laughs> yeah. Well, he. he it does say Brooks films. Yeah, he just does like same difference. I think really. he just doesn't want he didn't want people to like immediately like uh, say, "Oh, this is a Mel Brooks movie." Yeah, exactly. This is a Mel Brooks movie that is going to be funny. Yeah, yeah. I think he used the word exactly. Pavlovian in response with the. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> with the <laughs> audience. Good. So, uh, without further ado, why don't we just. Let's, yeah, let's get right into the movie for everyone. Yeah, let's summarize this movie. It's thankfully not quite There's as long not, as our last one. I don't think much to it. No, it's the summary. Yeah, it's fairly straightforward. You lucky bastard. But let me pull up a uh, Unlike, timer. Unlike, well, you chose uh, Amadeus, by the way. Yeah, I that was my fault. That <laughs> yeah, was my fault. And I, and I even I knew it was my turn to summarize when I when yeah, I chose exactly. it. All right, hold on. Let me just get my five That's minute timer goes. up and running. All right, you ready? Yep. All right, three, two, one, go. 
Okay, so we start and we have this guy named Dr. Frederick Frank Frankenstein, uh, who we find is the uh, the gr- the the grandson of the uh, well-known Victor Frankenstein, the mad scientist who created the monster we all know. Ah, uh, yes, we all um, know and love today. Uh, however, uh, he refuses to be uh, associated in any way with his grandfather, who he's quite ashamed of. Uh, and but basically, at the beginning of the film, uh, we find out that uh, a relative of his in Transylvania has died, and uh, his will is now uh, and and that uh, that Frederick or Frederick has uh, <laughs> Frederick <laughs> inherited, know, yeah. <laughs> inherited his um, his castle in Transylvania. <laughs> so he goes to Transylvania. And he meets uh, this this guy named Igor, not Igor. <laughs> wow, I um, think he inter- doesn't he introduce himself as I- Igor. And then as soon as he's Mel Brooks or uh, Gene Wilder, oh yeah, yeah, like, I'm yeah, 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 he's like, I well, think... I'm Igor. Yeah, exactly. But they call him Igor for the rest of the movie. Yeah, yeah. But and so anyway, Igor is like, well, I'm gonna, I guess, take you to the castle. Let's just walk this way. <laughs> um, <laughs> walk and then... this way. And then, uh, so they go to the castle, and they, oh, no, first they meet uh, the the lab assistant, Inga, um, who asks <laughs> he wants to roll in the hay. Um, oh, yeah, right. Which is a literal joke. In fact, they're literally sitting in, like, a hay bale. Yeah, yeah, like, a literal, literal hay bale. Yeah. yeah a, lot of, um, a lot of stuff like that in this movie. Double entendre, yeah. Um, so... <laughs> They go to the castle and uh, they meet uh, Frau Bucher, which is a housekeeper, I suppose. And uh, as uh, Frederick is staying his la- his first night at the castle, he hears some mysterious music, and he follows that music to a um, to a secret room. It's a lot like that. Which is the lab of. Sorry, what'd you say? No, I was just gonna say it's a lot like that Magic School Bus episode, but go on. You yeah, have... it's it's the lab of uh, Victor Frankenstein, and um, basically upon Half finding way. the lab, he starts reading the books of Doctor Frankenstein, and he becomes convinced that in fact Doctor Frankenstein was correct, and that you could in fact revive dead tissue. So he, I guess, decides. I'm just gonna go ahead and follow in the footsteps of my grandfather. Yeah. It was a pretty easy switch there. He goes. It was a pretty from... easy. Well, you know, after he just read the book, so then he he basically steals some dead bodies, uh, and wow. the townsfolk are. Igor to steals get some dead bodies. No, him and Igor. Oh, they're together. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, right. They're on yeah. the cart together. Yeah. They steal some dead bodies and they try to like start doing their thing, and they're like, "Okay, we need a brain. What about the brain of the?" smart scientist Hans Delbruck. Uh, and so he sends Igor to go steal the brain of Hans Delbruck, who is a dead scientist. Um, German but, histori- uh, first modern military historians. Yeah, but uh, basically uh, he... Igor fucks up, drops the brain of Hans Delbruck, wrecks it, and picks up the closest brain on hand, which happened to be labeled abnormal, do not use... <laughs> <laughs> abnormal do not use brain use for what yeah exactly um so then uh he brings it back and they they put uh the brain the abnormal brain into the creature and uh on One there minute. and they attempt to bring him to life sorry what'd you say 
One minute. Uh, they they attempt to bring him to life. Uh, and at first they fail, and then um they eventually succeed, and the monster is like crazed because he has an abnormal brain and he's kind of on the loose. But then like they realize that with music they can like you know keep him tame, and then they do, and then um then they bring him to like this fucking uh scientific things that they could show off this great creature and then they do like this song and dance routine and then but on the uh, putting on the ritz but then um the monster because of the broken stage light uh gets very irate because i guess fire i'm not sure and then um then they the monster goes on the loose and then they basically they capture the monster and like uh fucking victor uh sorry frederick is like oh we got to get the monster back and then they do and shit and but anyway uh, eventually the townsfolk are like well we gotta fucking there's the timer that's five minutes so yeah basically just 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 finish off the end there yeah yeah. so they they bring back the frankenstein the townsfolk are like well we gotta stop this and he's like well maybe i can implant some of my brain into frankenstein's brain somehow with some weird transfer and then like he'll be smart and then they do and then basically like the townsfolk almost fuck it up but Anyway, the, then the, the the monster's all sophisticated and shit, and he's reading the Wall Street Journal. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, there's the there's and there's some more double entendres there, and you know it mm. goes. Uh, but yeah, exactly. They I skipped over some things, but yeah, yeah. I think you got the the, yeah. the gist of it there, the most important details. Yeah. So, what did you think of this movie? Well, I mean, I'm just left with this most important question. Okay. Why does everybody have a German accent in Transylvania? <laughs> because um, Transylvania, das ist gut, yeah. <laughs> I believe most people. I believe Transylvania actually, uh, despite being in Romania, I believe it has a uh, a lot of Hungarian speakers in it. Uh, I was going to say I know it's in Romania, but I don't actually know. I know that there's a lot of yeah language and well, uh, cult, like very. Yeah, but I believe this is why in. Dracula, the uh, 1931 film, that, yeah. uh, they use uh, Bela Lugosi, who has a Hungarian accent. Oh, that's very... So they did that on purpose. Wow. Yeah, but it was just so thick that it was like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All but right. anyway. Uh, but anyway. So yeah, this is, this is, this is, this is a really funny film. Uh, I don't know if it's like Mel Brooks' funniest film, but no. it's pretty good. Um, yeah, I think he described it as like his favorite film, although it's not his funniest film. Yeah, exactly. Which is what he how he described I it. I mean, I I'm I'm pretty partial to History of the World. Part I 1. I haven't seen that movie in so long. You haven't? No. Mm. I like I'm a producer's fan, but yeah, yeah, that's a, Oh, that's also amazing. But like <laughs> Yeah. Hey, Mel Brooks is such a f- spectacular catalog, which we'll talk about a little bit. Not his yeah, catalog definitely. or anything, but we'll talk about him a little bit. But like he, he also has like a, like a very like particular style of comedy. Oh yeah, it's very much. Uh, it's a very uh date, not dated, but like it's it's of his his time. It's of and its time, like the sixties and seventies. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't really. I don't know that it would work now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he made a he made like uh. Is he still? Ma- he I, he hasn't made a film in a long time, but like no, but he made a movie. I feel movie like he he's been recently. doing stuff still, like yeah, he made a movie actually that I I've seen fairly recently. Yeah. Okay. 
but yeah, he's like, uh, still kicking. He's how old is he? Old. Yeah. He's uh ninety six. Um, fuck, dude. That's old. Jeez. Yeah. Holy smokes, and he's still around. Wow. Let's see what his most recent uh thing in his filmography is. Uh, He's he plays the voice in Hotel Transylvania. Really? Wait, what? Yeah, he plays History of the he, World Part Two. What the fuck? They're making that? Oh, it's a it's a TV series. Uh, okay, that makes sense. I'm trying to find his filmography here. And that's when is that coming out? Because the 2022. Oh, uh, that's what it says. Weird. That's fucked. Because I feel like kind of the point of History of the World Part 1 was that there was never going to be a Part There's 2. There's never going to be a Part 2. But I guess it's almost funnier that he does after, like, so many years. And it says here he's listed as writer, creator, and executive producer. Yeah, well, just going to, to the to the uh, Wikipedia page for History of the World Part 1 is so funny. Because it's, like, directed by Mel Brooks, written by Mel Brooks, produced by Mel Brooks, starring Mel Brooks. <laughs> Yeah, it's like Mel Brooks is like as as evidenced by his like egot. Uh, he is like a very multi talented guy. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And he didn't get his egot till the uh, and, producers musical in the two thousands, I think. Yes, because yeah, you need to do all all of them. You got to get your Tony. You got to get your Tony. I feel like that sometimes is the hardest one. I think well, the Grammy is... can be hard too. The Grammy can be hard. Depends what it's... you start on doing. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I think yeah, if you start as a, a an actor, then the uh, the Grammys can be difficult. But if you're like a yeah. producer or something, then you know, yeah, probably the Tony. But like, uh, I don't know how much we're gonna touch on like uh, Mel Brooks's biography, but like it's yeah, like he's 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 done a lot of shit. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll, we're gonna like yada yada blaze through, through it. it. Yeah, exactly, blaze yeah. through it at a quite yeah, a exactly. clip in a moment. But yeah, we'll get to that in a second. Um, this movie's really good. It's um, it's a bit of a trip, though. You know, it's kind of hard to you know follow sometimes. Yeah, like, it not is, in the sense. But that... I mean, like, you gotta realize, like, the plot isn't the like, uh, point. You know, kind of the point. Like one thing I, uh, yeah. the one sort of thing I think that they should have done that I, that they didn't do is like I think they should have spent more time on like, uh, young on. Frederick Frankenstein not wanting to be like his that's grandfather. That's what I, I was gonna say. Yeah, it's like because the whole. Because I think of... that's a really funny joke. And as we when we talk about the pre-production and everything, like I think Mo Brooks thought that that was one of the funniest parts as well. Exactly. Like that whole concept is is hilarious, and they yeah, they actually don't do much with it. They don't do much with it. Yeah, I mean, in the first of... like the first scenes, like before they go to Transylvania, that's all that, right? Basically, yeah. I I just feel like it kind of. It almost too they quickly more just time. turns into the regular Frankenstein story, almost just like a silly version of the regular Frankenstein ver- story, a little too quickly. Exactly. Like, which is fine, and it's it's you know it's still it is what it is. It's still a great. It's, movie. it's still a good film, but it's like um, I would have liked them to spend more time on that concept. Exactly. Me too. Because yeah, like it just kind of switches over to uh, mm-hmm. yeah, just a just a, a spoofy version of the regular story, which is you know mm-hmm. again fine, but which is fine, but it's like. You know, we were hoping for for more of that first bit, more Frankenstein. Exactly, less Frankenstein, more Frankenstein. <laughs> exactly. 
yeah, I guess I can get into the basic facts. Um, yeah, let's let's get into the basic facts. Because we've we've mentioned Mel Brooks, so obviously everyone knows he's involved. I think his name is is uh oh, it's not bigger than the title of the movie. It's but it's on there. Where's Gene Wilder's name? How big is it? Uh, not as big. It's well, it says a Mel Brooks film, Young Frankenstein. Gene Wilder's the first name on the billing. Okay, yeah, right. Because actually, Mel Brooks is. This is one of his. Uh, he, he plays a very small role in this movie. He's barely in it. Well, yeah, he's basically not in it. Yeah, which yeah. Which is unique for a Mel Brooks film because most of the time he's in the movie. Yeah, <laughs> at least some capacity. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> which makes me wonder: Is he going to be on History of the World Part Two at age ninety-six? At age ninety-six. Is he going to play the two thousand-year-old man? <laughs> well, I mean, he could. He could absolutely <laughs> get away with it. He looks two thousand years old now. I'm sure. Because you know the the routine that he used to do, right? The 2000. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That was the uh, yeah. one of the him and Carl Carl Reiner. Yeah, their early routine, who we've talked about many times. Carl yeah, Carl Reiner. Reiner, father of Rob Reiner, who we've talked about also also on this podcast. Yeah, Carl. Reiner. I mean, he's notable in his own right, obviously. No, no, notable father of <laughs> Rob Reiner. But just to connect it back to this podcast. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Rob um, Reiner, who we've talked about, actually, twice, I think. Yeah, yeah, because Sleepless... Three in... times. Wait, did he... Because he was in Sleepless in Seattle. Yeah. He did Spinal Tap, yeah. and he did Princess Bride. Yeah, yeah, he's... So he's been featured in three episodes. Quickly becoming a... Uh, yeah, and so this regular... is Mel Brooks' second appearance. Gene Wilder's first. I hopefully believe Gene Wilder's is the first. So we'll see. Maybe we'll do another movie with him. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah... Uh, for those of us in our in uh, in the younger generation, you're probably oh, yeah. most familiar with Gene Wilder from the Willy Wonka meme. Yeah, exactly. The Willy Wonka, not even the movie, the meme. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the, but that's none of my business, meme. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about the basic facts. So, as we said, Mel Brooks, Gene Wilder, those guys are the are the brain trust behind. They're kind of this a team. Film. Like they've been like. They've done a ton of movies, right? Yeah. And like, the producers. Like, he was, like, one of the stars of the producers. He was Leo Bloom. Yeah, exactly. kind of the film that put Mel Brooks on the map, I suppose. Yeah, and it didn't do, like, critically w- particularly well, but, yeah, it did. Uh, what? Uh, the producers? Yeah. Did Would the critics not like it? They, they thought they didn't, like, I don't think they hated it, but it didn't. It wasn't, like. Right, just because I, because it wasn't the whole point of the movie, like, the. The play they put on, the musical they put on in the movie was that it was supposed to be critically terrible. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Which would be hilarious if the critics didn't like it. It was like, no, they, I don't like how I was portrayed in this movie. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're, well, they were, it's their writing together, Gene Wilder, Mel Brooks. Mm-hmm. Is this, so this is, they did, I don't know, is this the first movie they wrote together? I think it might be. But anyway, yeah, anyway, so. Yeah, we've all we all know it's uh, Frankenstein, Mary Shelley. Uh, there have been so many other Frankenstein movies. We've done one of them. <laughs> yeah, we have. This is our arguably. S- this is our second Frankenstein. <laughs> this is our second Frankenstein movie, and they've both been comedies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This one's not canon, though. <laughs> is it? Well, let's see. Who made it? Is it? It's, is, it is it Universal? No, it probably wait. Because if it's uh... Universal, then. Well, no, but you'll notice that they, uh, it's 20th Century Fox. You'll notice uh, that, um, the Frankenstein does not have the bolts in his neck. 
Right, right. Or sorry, the monster doesn't have volts in his neck in this film. Frankenstein's monster, yeah. He is, yeah, he's because. made up. Because? He has the zipper instead. Oh, yeah, right, the zipper. That's great. <laughs> but, yeah, um, because, uh, for those of you who don't know, like, the, the modern look of Frankenstein is basically, was basically invented by Universal. Yeah. I'm not sure if, if they still hold, like, uh... If they own if that, Frankenstein. If they still hold copyright on that, or if that's expired, but you don't know. Yeah, it's a good question. Who owns the copyright on Frankenstein? I feel like we're we're kind of honestly... Well, the copyright dude. on the, the novel is public domain. Yeah, right, the novel. Um, yeah. The Mary Shelley novel. But I'm saying, if you make right. a Frankenstein movie, you can't make Frankenstein look like... You can't make the monster look like what we're used to. Oh, I see. Right, 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 right. It's about it's about because the Frank, way he the, looks. The only image of right. of the bolts on the neck and the green and everything. Right. So if you dress up as that Frankenstein for Halloween, they could fucking. Well, I don't could, know uh, if the copyright is expired at this point, because that was well, also you, a long time ago. If you did in the fifties, then they could have. Sure. Claimed it. They would have <laughs> sued you. Sent out, like, well, yeah, but like, what about people who dress up like Marvel superheroes? Like, that's also definitely illegal. No, I'm sure there's some exception. There's some exception for that, probably. Yeah, probably. I'm sure um, that's fair use. This film has a huge uh, budget box office uh, disparity. It's huge difference. My like, they guess made... is the budget was basically nothing. Yeah, the budget was, yeah, for this movie, basically nothing. For uh, a because Hollywood Because it's basically movie. just Mel Brooks and Friends. Exactly. So, like, I, can't, I can't imagine that like the uh, the actors got paid that much. You know what I mean? That, yeah, that's hilarious. That's what this movie should be called, Mel Brooks and Friends. That's like every Mel Brooks movie, though. Yeah, good point. Because, <laughs> like, all these people, like, are in other Mel Brooks movies. Actually, I don't know if Terry Gar was in anything else, but... um. I yeah, think well, it's true. Over. All these people, and then also, like, the music, the guy he does for music, uh, what's his name? Yeah. Uh, John Morris is mm-hmm. does all the... Or not all, but most of them. And then yeah. Gerald Hirschfeld... Is the uh, cinematographer? Yeah, I looked. He did not do much else ah. with the uh, with them, right? So the box office. So they spent two point seven eight million, so just under three million. Yeah, uh, and the like office. the sets could look cheap because they were supposed to. Yeah, well, they kind of lucked out with the type of movie they were trying to make, just because it's. Yeah, like... well, we'll talk about the sets later, actually. Okay, cool. Because, like, they wanted, uh, yeah, right, right. Because they wanted probably more in part two. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. Because they, they, they wanted it to look like these, uh, you know, original. Yeah, they really wanted to get the authentic feel of, like, the Universal Horror movies. Yeah, hence why it's in black and white. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, Not just because they were cheap, but also maybe that. <laughs> it's a combination it of It doesn't hurt. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um,. <laughs> So yeah, let's let's talk about the pre-production. Well, we can, and then we'll right. we'll we'll move on from there. So this film yeah. is I don't know if we mentioned it came out in 1974, right? So right after is, Blazing Saddles, another classic Mel Brooks movie. Blazing Saddles also came out in 1974. Um, right. Blazing Saddles. So, so they weren't just pumping them out. Yeah, they were just pumping them out. So Blazing Saddles came out uh, February 1974, and. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. This movie came out the December. <laughs> yeah. So basically, yeah, they're they're finishing early 1974, uh, late 1973. Uh, you know, they're the the 
they're finishing Blazing Saddles. But before we we get kind of get into that, let's just let's talk about Brooks a little bit, as you said, you know, because I feel like you gotta get a little bit of background information because I don't know that we gave any background information the last time we talked about him. Probably not, because he was like separate. He he was kind of like uh, a a background character in that one. Yeah, exactly. He wasn't as as important. We but, def- we talked about uh, uh, David Cronenberg mostly. Right, that's right. But yeah, so Mel Brooks, also known as Melvin Kaminsky. Yes. When did he change his name to Brooks? So apparently, it's because uh, he used to be a uh, drummer and piano player. Um, in, yes. Like uh, in the Catskills in New York, and uh, basically there was yeah. this other guy who was a trumpeter named Kaminsky. And so he ah. changed his name so that they wouldn't get confused. Makes sense. <laughs> yeah. It's funny that it was wasn't it had nothing to do with m- movies at all. It was just so he wouldn't get no, confused. No, it was just because there was foot. some other guy with the same name and they didn't want to get confused. Yeah. That's funny cuz well, so, he was a uh, uh, so he was in the army. He was in World War II. I don't know that he saw like action cuz I think he was like a uh Well, he was he technician. was sent to Europe. Yeah, well, he was in. He uh, was in Europe. He was in the war. But I think he was. Yeah. Yeah. He, I just mean he was like a technician of some kind. So I don't know that he was like, um, you know, in. I don't. I, mean, I don't. I, actually, I don't know what like, the extent of his career was in the military, but yeah, I know that he uh, apparently. Yeah, he received uh, very high uh, high marks from the uh, the I guess military like. Uh, he was apparently sent to do like special training and stuff. Right, right. They 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 thought he they could tell he was bright, so they wanted him to send him yeah. up. Right, not just into the normal yeah. flow. Um, he does he does that, and he gets back from World War Two. And I think his he he is a hilarious quote. His like mother got him a job as like a secretary doing something, and his immediate mm-hmm. reaction was to take a train to the Catskills because he had no intention of doing this boring secretary job that his mom got him yeah so i think yeah he basically then becomes like a jazz drummer which is like funny hilarious like not at all what he ends up doing no well yeah he starts he goes to and starts basically just playing the resort circuit in the cat skills yeah so he's basically playing like uh like lounge music for like hotels and things like that Exactly, exactly. He's just sitting in the hotel bar playing the piano and the drums, like Yeah, exactly. <laughs> pretty cool, uh, pretty just, cool. Pretty cool. And like you can see like cuz he does like he ends up writing like a lot of songs for a lot of his films. Ironically, not this one. No, not this one, but yeah, he does write a lot of music. But all the other films have musically. like a ton of music in them that like he clearly is like very musical. Yeah, exactly. He's a clearly musically inclined to some capacity. Um, yeah, and yeah, because of his drumming and his piano playing in the in the exactly. Catskills. But appar- apparently, so one time the way he got into comedy from the way how he made the jump is because you know this lounge performance is. I feel like music and comedy is all much more close together. It's all just entertainment, you know. It's all just yeah. the under one. I mean, especially blanket. the performance of it. Exactly in in like a uh, this kind of scenario, like a resort scenario. It's this kind of feels like the same as like a uh, uh, um, a cruise. Like I feel like the comedians yeah. and the musicians on a cruise are in a very similar, you know, boat. <laughs> oh, God, 
Good one. Um, but anyway, uh, Mel Brooks. Uh, anyway, he, he gets into comedy because <laughs> the comedian, the normal comedian at one of the resorts, uh, is too sick to perform. So Mel Brooks just stands in and does a set. I don't know if he had jokes planned or if he just improvised, but he absolutely loved it. Uh, <laughs> so he started uh, doing comedy. He's just full-time just in the, uh, in the Catskills. Um, nice. And then yada, and so yada, does, yada. Yeah, so when does the producers happen? Be- well, so actually, he, he ends up writing for, like, some TV series and ends up doing, like, Get Smart, right? Yeah, well, that's how he TV meets show. Carl Reiner, is he does this one, yeah. like, kind of variety TV show um, that has a bunch of famous, you know, people who would go on to be quite famous people writing for it. But two of them are Mel, Book, mm-hmm. Mel Brooks and Carl Reiner. Um, and obviously, they yeah. get along quite well. And they become a comedy duo. And one of the first things they come up with is what you mentioned earlier, the 2,000-year-old man, was yes. their kind of their first real big bit, which is, I think we yeah. might have actually played a clip of it at one point. Did on we? Podcast. Well, Maybe. we'll have to put on another one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but anyway, the 2,000-year-old man, just like he's, the, the idea is like he's just like this guy who's been around uh like he, he has all these stories uh, it's hard to believe sir because in the history of man nobody's ever lived more than 167 years as their man from peru would claim to be but you claim to be 2000 yes i'll be i'm not yet i'll be, <laughs> i'll be uh 2000 october 16th <laughs> yes. you'll be 2000 when were you born we uh, didn't have a formal Years and names and, and writing. We didn't know. I see. And what? Nobody kept time then. See, we didn't know. We didn't write. We just sat around. We pointed in the sky and we said, Whoa, hot boy, you know? That's all you said? We didn't even know it was the sun. We thought. <laughs> so after after this, you know, he started. They, they get success as a duo. They get some. Basically, just a bunch of behind-the-scenes work, you know, TV shows, writing, and whatnot. And then, he, with Carl Reiner, they create two TV shows. One of them I'm not familiar with. The other one is Get Smart, which is, you yeah. know, fairly well-known. It's sort of like this, this comedy day. spy show, which is pretty It's funny. like James Bond, but, like, spoof James Bond. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But then, ba- yeah, so he spent. It, he's been envisioning this whole time the, you know, producer's film, because he always wanted to make that kind of movie. Um Mm-hmm. As you as you described earlier, it's about they're trying to make an, a wildly unsuccessful uh, stage production. It's yes, basically the gist of it. Um, so it's, he's had this idea. They're trying to make the most tasteless uh, yes. musical of all time, and they because they want to make it a flop, right? Yeah, exactly. It's supposed to flop. That's the point. Yeah, and maybe we'll do that movie one day. We really should. It's a great movie. We could. Which one would we do? The Ma- the original or the Matthew Broderick? I think we, we'd have to do the original. I think. Probably. But anyway, eventually they f- secure funding to actually make the film in 1967. And mm-hmm. it's not not amazingly successful, but you know it proves that he can do it, and he's a viable you know director and writer and whatnot. And then they make another film that doesn't do amazingly well. I even forget what it's freaking called is based on some other work. Again, not wild. This one was actually unsuccessful. Chairs? Yeah, I've that never one. Even heard of it. Yeah, it's a, a, tons of I imagine they did a, a spoof version of it, but there's like, yeah, a bunch of 
uh, uh, in what's the retellings of this this story. Mm-hmm. But then finally, you know, they find massive success with uh, Blazing Saddles. Yes, the uh, spoof western. The spoof western, which is yeah, quite an interesting movie. What do you think about yeah. that movie? I like it. I think it's pretty funny. Yeah. It's again, it's it has It's certainly got some jokes that like I think would be pretty like uh hard to do now. Yeah, for sure. Same with uh this um, movie Young Frankenstein, but less so. Yeah, but not quite to the same extent. Like I think Blazing Saddles touched on like more uh racial issues. issues. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they so they they I don't know how they you know they came up with the idea for Young Frankenstein while they were still working on that movie. Mm-hmm. So I guess they had the idea, but the fact that that movie was so successful is why they were actually probably able to to make this one so quickly. Yeah. So like from from what I understand, like uh, initially, like it was Gene Wilder's idea to do this movie. Uh, and yes. basically, uh, initially, Mel Brooks didn't want to do, like, a Frankenstein movie because he's like, oh, there's been too many fucking Frankenstein movies, you know? Not another one. But yeah, then, well, there was, like, like what, uh, five at that point? Yeah, there were a ton, right? Yeah. Uh, but then um, uh, Gene Wilder has, says he has the idea that it's like, oh, but this is this this guy, he doesn't want to be a Frankenstein. And he's it's and, and then of the legacy. He's ashamed of being Frankenstein, you know. Exactly, and Mel Brooks thought that was hilarious. And so then, uh, Mel Brooks decides that that's like the funniest part of it, which, uh, which once again comes back to like I wish they spent more time on that. Yeah, because you only get that one scene in his, uh, basically that one scene in his uh, while he's doing the lecture, which is a great yeah, scene. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, mm-hmm. I feel like we could have used some more of that. Yeah, and, like, the kid coming, like, the, the student who just, like, uh, fucking, like, really lays it out, like, oh, excuse yeah. me, Dr. Frankenstein. Yeah, and he, and he snaps at them. He, that scene where he yeah. snaps is great. And that then he stabs first... himself in the leg. <laughs> Which is, like, I, oh, God, that scene was so rough. Like, because, like, I've seen this movie a million times. You know it's going to happen. You know it's coming. And it's just, it's like, ugh, ugh. Oh, it looks so painful. It's like the, uh, it's a similar scene in the, what's it called? The Ricky Paul Bobby movie where he stabbed himself with a steak knife in the... Talladega Nights? Talladega Nights, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, they're having coffee, convinces him to, that this movie's a good idea, even though it's, uh, uh, overdone. Um, so they get together, they start writing it. Apparently they met nightly at Gene Wilder's place. Um, okay. and the way Mel Brooks described it, they described it, they, you know, they would brew themselves a pot of lesser tea, um, and... <laughs> what, what do you mean? Lesser tea? Oh, they, is because uh, I was shitting on Earl Grey? Yeah, yeah, they brewed a pot of Earl Grey, which we've, you know, right. condemned on yeah. this podcast. Yes. And, uh... <laughs> this podcast is a Yorkshire-only podcast. Yeah, it's a Yorkshire podcast. Um... So yeah, they had le- yeah, lesser tea and digestive biscuits to is what mm-hmm. is what Mel Brooks <laughs> described as their brain food. Right, I see. And they uh yeah, they 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 sequestered themselves and and got it done in a couple of months, I guess. I guess they wanted to do it quick because, you know, they wanted to make yeah, it. Yeah, like they were already high on the success of uh 
Blazing Saddles, and I guess they wanted to put out another Mel Brooks film, right? Yeah, exactly. Get the Mel Brooks film out there now. Yeah, while while it's uh while people are into it. Exactly. Yeah. As the Brooks described the screenplay, like the because he, I think it was pretty silly. The actual screenplay. I think the movie we we saw in the end was less silly, which is hard to imagine, than the screenplay. Yeah. Because in describing the screenplay, uh, Mel Brooks said, good sense and caution are thrown out the window and madness ensues. Yeah. That's their philosophy for writing a screenplay. Yeah, like, I think you kind of have to try every uh, every idea in the, like, in the script. Like, because I feel like it's always easier to trim something down than to make exactly. it, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And in a movie like this, um, you know, I feel like it's kind of hard to see what's going to work and what's not going to work. Because, like, for example, the whole scene about the uh, the Frankenstein's monster and Gene Wilder doing the, the song and dance routine, the uh, putting on the Ritz bit. Yeah, so uh, wasn't uh, one of them, like, really not into the idea? Mel, yeah, Mel Brooks thought it was a bad idea. He thought it was too ridiculous. Really? And but Gene okay. Wilder was like, no, no, we have to do it. Like, let's do it. And then as soon as they saw it, like as soon as he saw it, Mel Brooks was like, oh yeah, that's one of the funniest parts of the movie. <laughs> right, it is. It's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we didn't mention uh, the guy who plays the actor. Side. Yeah, I forgot to do that. The actor, let's, let's, Peter we'll, Boyle. Peter Boyle, best known for his role on Everybody Loves Raymond. Yeah, exactly. Like, for, I feel like for people of, like, specifically our age, like, that's, like, who we... But he's been in a ton of shit as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's not probably not what he's best known for. But, uh, yeah, as you say, people of our generation... He's, the, he's, he's like, the, uh, I guess, uh, he's Raymond's dad in Everybody Loves Raymond. Yeah, he's Ray's dad. <laughs> yeah. Weird connection. Uh, but yeah, we also yeah. we, we kind of skipped over the rest of the cast as well earlier. So we did as well. Let's, yeah. let's give them a little um, bit of a uh, they're just they're uh, not just desserts because that implies they have yeah, something so bad. Yeah, so we, we have Marty them. Feldman, who is excellent in this movie. Yeah, Marty Feldman's an absolute legend. Um, Marty Feldman is Igor. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what other movies he's been in, but because he, he's obviously like that role was written for him, I think. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he's just, he's such a very particular guy. I mean, he was kind of, like, vaguely connected to, like, the Monty Python kind of uh, scene, right? Yeah, I feel like, because I feel like he was in an occasional, uh, yeah, here we go. He wrote with John Cleese for the Frost Report, which was, if you remember, on our, um, yeah our Monty Python episode, that was kind of the Frost Report was where all the people on Monty Python first kind of got together. Yeah, and uh, we have Cloris Leachman, who is also a... Uh, uh, she's been in a bunch of different uh, Mel Brooks stuff as well. Yeah. Uh, she plays uh, Frau Bucher in this uh, film. She was in Butch Cassidy in the Sundance Kid. She was in the Twilight Zone. <laughs> She was in Malcolm in the Middle. <laughs> oh, yeah. We also have Terry Garr, who's been in a ton of shit. Uh, also, other uh, Gene Wilder stuff? Yes. Uh, 
Kenneth Mars. Who is Kenneth Mars in this film again? Who is Kenneth Mars in this film? Oh, he was the inspector. Oh yeah, he's the German, the the aggre- the most German, the guy of with the, the German. aggressive German accent. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. So um, he was also in uh, the producers, and he was the Nazi guy. Yeah, he was the playwright Franz uh, Liebkind. Franz Liebkind. <laughs> so yeah, he's he's a a a, a collaborator. Yeah, and uh, Madeline Kahn, finally, who is uh, also a Mel Brooks like collaborator frequently. Who does she play in this movie? Uh, she plays. Uh, I guess I didn't mention her in the summary, but she's basically like uh, Frankenstein's fiance. Yeah, right. Who then falls in love with the monster? Yes. <laughs> and so yeah, she was in uh, also uh, History of the World Part One. And Blazing Saddles and uh, High Anxiety, to name a couple other uh, Mel Brooks oh, wow. movies. Okay, so she's yeah, she's yeah. a real collaborator. Exactly. Um, yeah. Cool. So yeah, basically they've got their script, they've got their uh, uh, their actors. I think, as you said, I think as we said, the the fact that it was written like some of the roles were written for people specifically that one for. Uh, Igor, and then they have all these people they've already collaborated with, so I don't think casting was really, you know, a huge deal. I think they just got the people they wanted, and, you know, obviously Gene Wilder's already there, so. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, they can, they ready to start making the movie, and as you said, there's a lot of good stuff about the actual making of the movie, and the, the sets, and that yeah, sort of absolutely. thing. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, that's more of a next week conversation, as, exactly. as most people know, but we have more to talk about this week. We have, uh, in fact, a whole other segment to talk about this week, which is going to be an, an interesting one for sure. Welcome to Six Degrees of Star Trek. Are you ready for this, Keen? Oh, yeah. I am ready. I'm psyched. Do you psyched. think there's going to be a lot or a little? Uh, it's going to be connected tightly or loosely? Loosely. No, v- few connections. So? You don't think there are many connections? No. Am I right well, or am I wrong? let me start with a direct connection. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And that would be Terry Gar. Oh, uh, yeah. So okay. one of the main characters in the film, uh, <laughs> she was in TOS. She was in TOS, and actually, her connection is very interesting, in my opinion. Okay, what what is it? Well, she was in a very particular episode of TOS called Assignment Earth. Assignment Earth. Assignment Earth was initially intended to be a backdoor pilot for another series that Gene Roddenberry would make. Yeah, right. That's but it never happened. So what was... So it involved, like, the time-traveling, like, Gary 7, and it was supposed to be its own, like, thing, right? Right. But for whatever reason, I mean, for many reasons, maybe this didn't get picked up, but Terry Gar was supposed to be, like, one of the main cast members on that show. Oh, wow. 
yeah, so she's Roberta <laughs> yeah. Lincoln in that. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I think this was like one of her like um it's her first, first TV like, role. major roles, right? Yeah. Exactly. And like um cuz they didn't just hire her to do like an episode. Yeah, no, she was supposed to be a, a like regular Like she went through character. the whole like process as if she was going to be in like a new show, right? Yeah. Oh, that sucks. And that then, it got... like, they just never ended up making it because maybe it wasn't a great idea. But whatever. <laughs> but whatever. But that's that sucks. <laughs> so... You got. Yeah, but I mean, I guess it worked out for her anyway because she like seemed to do fine. Yeah, that's a good point. Good point. Yeah. Um, it being in this film as well. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But okay, this that's was... a, yes, that's a direct was, yeah, connection. Post... Okay. So, what do you think? Do you think there are? Do you think there are more loose ones? Or stronger ones. I would have imagined it would continue to be loose, but now my faith is being tested. What's next? Shaken. Shaken, yeah. Uh, let's have another direct connection. Oh, come on. All right. <laughs> Kenneth Mars, who we mentioned just a moment ago. Just a moment ago. He was in Star Trek? Yes. What, yes. What was he in? He was in a 1994 episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine called Shadow Play. And so basically in Shadow Play, they go to this planet where there's like all these people that are like disappearing and then basically they find out the people are holograms and that there's only one oh. guy there. And that yeah, guy I do I remember is that. Kind of Mars. I do remember that. Yeah. That's a good episode. It is, yeah. It's Kenneth Mars is the one guy. Yeah, I believe. I, I'd have to double check if that's actually him. But I think that's right. Okay. So, okay. What do you think? Well, now I feel like there's got to be a third one. Yeah, there's got to be a third one now. Do you think we got all three? Okay. So now we do have another direct connection, but it's a very small role in this film. Okay. Who is it? We have Second Villager Uncredited. (laughs) Played by Ian Abercrombie. Who's who's that? Some guy who's been in a ton of shit, but not any huge roles, really. Right, so he's just kind of an extra. Well, he's done, like, he, 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 I wouldn't say he's an extra. Like, I think he was in this film, basically. Right, he's got, like. But, like, he's basically, like, a, just a working, like, actor who's in, like, a ton of shit, right? Right, right. So what was his name again? In 1999. Hey, that's Mr. Pitt! What? That's Mr. Pitt from Seinfeld. Elaine's boss in this that season where oh shit that's Mr. Pitt you're right anyway go on sorry yeah so basically like random like secondary roles yeah is is what I would say a lot of his career was yeah he was a supporting actor for a lot of things but like you know those are you know those are the uh, those are very respectable careers you know yeah absolutely that's he's uh, a so working he was actor in 1999 in an episode of Star Trek Voyager called Someone to Watch Over Me. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is, yeah, yeah. yeah the doctor, where the doc, yeah, it's really weird. <laughs> and he was also in another episode of Voyager in 2000 called Spirit Folk, in which he also looks like he played a hologram. <laughs> Spirit Folk was the episode with Fairhaven, the little Irish town. Oh, yeah, that's a hilarious episode. Really weird episode. There's a lot of weird episodes like that. But yeah. But yeah, it's a good... But yeah, he's been in two Star Treks. Two Star Trek Voyager episodes. As and characters, and Seinfeld. <laughs> and Seinfeld. Well, that's awesome. 
but yeah, that's what I got. Uh, hopefully, hopefully that was enjoyable enough for you. That was awesome. I I honestly did not expect any connections. I kind of thought they'd be kind of insulated from one another, but I guess not. Nah, man. I mean, Mel Brooks casts a wide net. Yeah, it's true. Good point. <laughs> he certainly does. He you know he does a lot of stuff like the fly. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, all right. I think that's basically all we have for this week. A uh, little bit light, mm-hmm. but you know, absolutely. We'll have more next week, as we always do. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else to add this week? But any shout-outs? Any? Oh wait, let's see. Anything to add? Anything to add? Yeah. Uh, any news of the day? Wow, we're at ninety-three episodes. Wow. Getting closer to the one hundred. You're getting closer to the magic one hundred number. We'll have a special episode for you. Yeah, we do have a special episode planned for number 100. Very special. Yeah, nothing really to... to yeah, nothing interesting. All right, well, thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for listening. Uh, thank, like, you know, we'll be back next week with all your Mel Brooks, Young Frankenstein, Gene Wilder content. Exactly.